0: Okay, so what have we been talking about for the last couple of weeks? Anybody remember? First love. First love. We've been talking about first love. Let's go ahead and open to Revelations chapter 2 and read our scripture that we've been going off of here. Revelations chapter 2 and verse 4. This is where Christ is talking to the church of Ephesus and really he's giving them Lots of compliments. He's telling them all the good things they've been doing. They've been staying in the faith. They've been keeping the word. They've been uh, running off false teachers and things like that. They've been doing the right things. But he has one thing against them. And then uh, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the first works or else i will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the first works and that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks is how we we can get so caught up with day-to-day life we can get so busy the things of life even the blessings of god can come into our life and cause us to stray away from our first love. They can distract us and pull us from that. And we talked about how, you know, in the beginning when we first got born again, how on fire for God we were, how consumed by God we were. It's like it's all you could think about. You couldn't wait for the next church service, couldn't wait for the next opportunity to get alone with God, whatever it might be. But as life goes on, the busyness of life, things come, distractions come, the enemy comes, and these things can pull us away from our first love. And so we can still be doing church. We can still be living right and trying to do our part. But without our first love, it's pointless. It just doesn't hold the value. And so we need to return. And that's what he instructs us to do is repent and do the first works. And that's what we talked about the first week. And just a real quick uh, review on that. You know, we, uh, I gave you three simple, easy things to do to return to your first love. And the first one was believe. It's as simple as that. We forget sometimes we can believe God for things, that he has promises for us for the issues that are coming against us, the things of life that have come against us. And we just forget to take time to believe God and put our faith in God and put our trust in God. The second one was prayer. We don't really pray about things a lot of times. We kind of get distracted, get busy, don't really take time for prayer. And here we are dealing with these issues in life instead of praying about it and allowing God to move on our behalf we just put up with it. And, it, and it just doesn't make sense to do so. So we need to get back into prayer, and the third one is abide in the vine, or in other words, the word of God. We've got to get back to the word. We've got to get back to spending time in the word every day. And like I told you, it doesn't mean you've got to spend an hour and a half reading the Bible every day. You don't have to read an entire book of the Bible every day. Even if, if you're doing nothing now, if you'll just take five minutes a day, Get into the word. Get into prayer. Spend some time with God, and you'll start rekindling that fire, that first love, and that joy that you once had will come back. You know, Jesus promised to leave us with his joy, and a joy that is full and a joy that remains. But if we walk away from Jesus, our first love, life's not so fun anymore. Life gets old. Life gets dull. Life becomes work. Church becomes work. Helps ministries become work. We just don't have that joy. And so we need to rekindle that. And those are the three easy things. And last week, then, we got into more of the church side. And we talked about how the church, and I'm not saying harvest church, but just the church in general, especially in the United States, has begun to take this path that's just going further and further and further from God, walking away from its first love. And and there's so much going on in this nation and so much that's gone away from God that as Christians we can do a couple things. We talked about how we can just give up. We stop praying because what's the point? This thing is so out of control and spiraling in the wrong direction and the people of this nation are going so far away from God and blatantly going against God. It's just like, forget it. I'm just going to live my life over here as a Christian, do my thing, and just stay out of it because the other thing that happens if I speak up Somebody gets offended. Everybody gets offended. And heaven forbid, we stand up for what we believe. So it's easier just to fall back and be quiet and live our life for God, yes, but not outwardly, just quietly so we don't offend anybody and we we'll just let them do their thing. I'll do my thing. And the other thing that we end up doing, if we still want to teach and preach the word, is we alter it. We change the word so it fits their lifestyles. It fits their decisions. It fits the way they want to live today. We, we start preaching and teaching half-truths. You know, we talked about that, that maybe we need to start a new denomination. Instead of a full gospel church, we can do a half-gospel church. And maybe that'll be a little more acceptable today's day and age. It'll be a little more cultural relevant, and it might draw people in, because that's what we want, right? We want people to come to church. We want people to be a part of our church. We want people to experience what we got, but What we're doing isn't working. They're not coming. So maybe we need to change it up. And that's where I decided. I went out, and I got a new pair of shoes this week. And they're just like my old ones, but they're new. So I thought, well, maybe if I try some new shoes out, maybe now God will want to move this morning. You're trying something a little different. Anyway, that's stupid. But but seriously, we can get caught up in that and start trying different things. And you see it a lot out there in different services and stuff. You get online, and maybe you're watching something, and it looks right. It sounds like God, but just... It isn't quite right. They're trying to create something. They're trying to create a move of God. They're trying to culturalize the church. They're trying to come up with something new. Well, Jesus is telling us we need to return to the first works, not new works. We don't need a new Jesus. We don't need a new Bible. We don't need new word. We don't need new messages. It's all right here, and it's still relevant. It still fits, and it still works. But the only reason it's not is because we've drifted as a whole. And I'm not saying, again, you. I'm not saying Harvest Church. I'm saying as a whole. It's just like there's nothing going on out there, God. You don't hear of revival. You don't hear of healings. You don't hear of miracles. You don't hear of the miraculous. Where is that stuff? It's back with our first love in the first works. We need to get back to doing those simple things. And in the church, you know, our first love, who's our first love? Jesus. Who's Jesus according to John 1.1? The Word. Our first love needs to be the Word of God and the Word of God alone. We need to preach the Word. We need to teach the Word. We need to speak the Word. And we need to study the Word. Nothing else. We don't need to worry about all the other stuff. We don't need to worry about whether or not our worship is good enough for today. We don't need to worry about whether or not the seats are comfortable enough for our guests to come in. Yes, those things are all right, but they're not relevant. They have nothing to do with the anointing that we're going to seek, that we're going to talk about today. They have nothing to do with the power of the uncompromised word of God. We looked a lot at 2 Timothy about today's times and how the world is traveling this other path and how they will lay up for themselves uh, teachers They'll lay up for themselves preachers that'll tickle their ears, give them what they want. They don't want to be held accountable. They will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure things like we talked about, Jesus is the only way to heaven. They'll say things like, well, God loves everybody. Why would God send anybody to hell? He loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. It's not how it works. That sounds good, and it's a half-truth, and it sounds righteous. Why wouldn't God want to do that. Well, of course he does. He wants to do that, but it's not the truth. It's a half-truth and it gets watered down and it gets into the churches and then it becomes this popular thing, And but yet there's no power in that because it's not the true word of God. So we need to, as in 2 Timothy 4 2 says, preach the word. Need to be ready in season and out of season. We need to convince, rebuke, and exhort. It's preaching the word of God, the uncompromised word of God. And as our part as a church, we need to be doers of the word. You know, we come like, and this is what I've been saying from the beginning. We can come to church on a Sunday morning and hear the word of God, hear a message like this preached, and we know that this is what we need. I mean, it's identif- for, for me, it's identified me. It's exactly where I'm at in my life. I, have, I can identify that I've drifted from my first love, and I need to get back, and here are some simple steps I can do. But we need to do it. Just like the prodigal son, he didn't just come to his senses and realize, I'm way off key here. But he got up, and he went. He went back to his father. He did something. He didn't just sit there and go, oh, me, oh, my. That's what I need to do, but and then go back out, leave church after hearing a message like this, and do nothing with it. And so that's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. we talked about the personal side. We've talked a little bit about the church side, how we need to be speakers of the word, teachers of the word, doers of the word. That's what we really emphasized on last week was getting back to the word of God. And getting into that. And again, it's not that we've walked away from the word of God here at Harvest Church. Pastor preaches the word of God. You will get and hear that each week. It's what we do with it at that point. It's how we come into service. I told you that I'm getting back into this. I used to do it, but I'm getting back into it. When I come to church, I start confessing and declaring that I'm going to be changed today 100%. I'm never going to be the same when I leave this service because I am about to be preached and told the word of God. Of God, And the Holy Spirit will make that real to me and it's going to change my life every time. Every time we come, we can have that attitude and we will walk out changed if we desire that. It's a, it's a heart's attitude. <clears throat> and if we do this, if we're doing these things, if we're preaching the word and speaking the word, this sets the stage for what I want to talk about today. And that's the anointing of God. That is all that we Need in our lives. That's all that we need in our services is the anointing of God. So let's, let's get into this a little bit. There's lots of first works that we can do. So we're not going to necessarily have time to get all of the first works, but I just want to hit a couple main ones. And that's the word, and that's the anointing. So let's define the word anoint. Uh, in the Greek, it's cryo, C H R I O, and it's the smearing or rubbing of oil or perfume upon an individual the smearing or rubbing of oil or perfume upon an individual. We see this a lot in the Old Testament when they would anoint a king over Israel. The prophet of God would go, he'd have oil, he'd put it on his head, and they'd rub that into the the king's head, basically setting that person apart. And it it was to depict God's anointing upon that person to do that. In other words, God's grace to do it, God's power to do it, and God's calling on their life to lead and to be the king over Israel. So it was that setting apart process. But think about this. So the prophet of God would go and do that. and He'd rub oil on their head. So today we don't necessarily work in the same ways because we've been, uh, Christ has come and he's given us the opportunity to be one on one with God. We don't have to go through the priest. We don't have to go through the prophet. We go to God ourselves and that anointing can be brought to us directly. And there's lots of scripture we can get into but we don't have time so we're going to kind of keep moving. But but think about that process of, of smearing or rubbing of oil or perfume upon someone to anoint them. It's a hands-on thing. When God anoints you and I or our services, his hands are on our lives. His hands are on our services. He is 100% involved in the process. He's equipping us. He's giving us what we need. He's empowering us to do his will. And that, if you think about that, God's hands directly on your life anointing you to do what he's called you to do. That's why we need to seek the anointing. That's why it's such a desirable thing. But here's the thing. God will not anoint what isn't his. He won't do it. If it's not his word, if it's not his will, if it's not his purpose, he won't anoint it. And this goes back to what we've been talking about. We can do lots of neat things and exciting things and try and drum up ways to be relevant and cultural and try and drum up a move of God. But if the Lord doesn't build the house, those that build the house labor in vain. And like we said last week, we can still build the house. We can do this on our own. We can have church every week all on our own. We can do this 100% on our own. Just like Abe was saying, I got nothing good to say this morning. There's, there should be no reason you're coming here to hear me preach, if you want to call it that. Come here to hear what God would have to say. Amen. The anointing of God desire God to move, and if God, if we come seeking the anointing, the anointing can get on the preacher, and that's God then working it. God will do what He wants to do, and 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 I know Pastor seeks God every week, what to preach and to teach, and I know God is on His heart moving Him in the direction that God would have Him to preach and to teach. That's the working of God. That's the anointing of God. Another thing, you can't be anointed by God if you don't go to him for it. That sounds simple, but he's the one. He's the anointer. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't get it by wearing a new pair of shoes. That's not how it comes. You can't get it by having great-sounding worship. That's not where it comes from. It comes from God himself, and we need to go to him and seek it. From Him, and we do that by believing God, praying, abiding in His Word. Those simple, simple, simple things. We always think there's something huge and spectacular, and and some giant thing we've got to do to earn God to move in our lives. Keep it simple. God made it simple, and if we do these simple little things, these simple first works, we'll return to our first love, and these things can operate and move in our lives as a church, if we are not preaching the uncompromising word of God, seeking God by prayer, worshiping God in spirit and truth, there's not going to be any anointing. It's not going to be there. Individually, if we're not believing God, if we're not praying, and we're not getting into God's word, there's not going to be any anointing on your life. Now, this anointing process or the smearing uh, or rubbing of oil on, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit you know in the Old Testament people couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit because they weren't born again the Holy Spirit could get on them but that was as far as it went well now we have Jesus who's made that way we have that one-on-one connection and so really the anointing is the Holy Spirit I mean he's the one that carries out the will of God here in the earth you know he's the one that's the hands of God moving here in the earth doing the will of the Father right He's the one that pulls on people's hearts. He's the one that convicts the world of sin, bringing them to a place of repentance. He's the one that's moving. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice and fine and dandy if Jesus would stand next to me all day long and tell me what to do every move. It just doesn't work like that. And we'll get into that more, but it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, the anointing of God that's in our lives. And that's what we'll look at a little more here as we go. So you could say that we need to seek and strive for the presence of the holy spirit in our lives and in our services and if we can get the holy spirit to join up with us and unite with us and we can easily do that if we do these other things then that's where the anointing comes and and I was I never really noticed this before but I was reading different scriptures and you can you know just like the Jesus and the word are the same thing and if you find Jesus in scripture you can put the word in there and it still reads exactly the same and vice versa Well, I'm finding that you can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit and anointing. And you can change out them words and it still reads exactly the same. And it makes exact sense. Those two work hand in hand. The Holy Spirit's the hands of God anointing our lives. So I want to tell you why it's so important to seek the anointing of God. I think you're already getting that. But let's look at some scripture. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Why the anointing should be something we desire in our services, in our lives. Matthew chapter 3, and let's start in verse 13. This is where Jesus is baptized by John. Then Jesus came from Galilee, Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he... Had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and alighted upon him. And suddenly there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At this point in time, Jesus is 30 years old. He is the Son of God. He is the Word of God. He's been on earth for 30 years. Really nothing's happened. Nothing's really taken place. No big, awesome miracles have taken place. No big flocks of multitudes trying to get healed by him were taking place. Nothing. Why? He was missing one thing. The Spirit of God. The anointing of God on his life. The Holy Spirit. Once those two get mixed together, there's power. And the miracles can take place. And the supernatural can take place. God can move in a way like never before. But here he is. The Word of God himself. And that's not enough. So we preach and we teach and we can preach and we can teach. But if there's no anointing on it, what's the point? And that's where so many churches are out there and they they deny the power of God. They deny the Holy Spirit. And that's what it talks about in 2 Timothy. And I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it's all right. In 2 Timothy, it talks about that. How they, they have a form of righteousness, but denying the power of God. They're leaving out the Holy Spirit. So they're preaching the word, but it doesn't do anything because they need the anointing of God. That's when things happen. Jesus Christ himself needed the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit of God on his life. Let's look at another one. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So Jesus died on the cross, has been raised again by God, and the disciples are wondering, what do we do now, kind of thing. And so here we are in in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he, or Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, and if you jump over to verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in all Jerusalem, all Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They had been walking with Jesus Christ, the Word of God, for three years. They have heard him teach, they have seen him preach, they have seen him do miracles, they know this stuff through in and throughout. They get it. They know what's going on. He's taught them. They know they need to go out and to preach the gospel. But yet he tells them, do nothing until you have this. Do you think there's some importance to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to the anointing of God in your life, to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? He wouldn't let them do anything without it because that's where the power comes from. When the Word and the Spirit mix, then God can move in ways like never before. And if we look at Acts chapter 1 and 2, one little side note here, it says, until the day in which he, or Jesus, was taken up, after, after he was taken up and gone. Jesus is no more. Again, it'd be nice if he stood right beside me and told me everything to do and say throughout the day. Wouldn't that simplify it? But he didn't have to because he gave us the Holy Spirit. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. That's the connection. The Holy Spirit is our connection. That is our, our, our radio to command post, if you want to call it that. And God uses and Jesus uses the Holy Spirit to move us, to lead us, to accomplish his will. That's the connection now. That's how they set it up. That's how God set it up to work with in our lives. So that's why it was so important for them to wait for the Holy Spirit. They needed that baptism, that infilling of the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses, to be able to be effective preachers and teachers of the word and to have the power of God, the miraculous things confirming his word and behind them as they preached and teached. Again, it would be nice if Jesus stood beside us, but that's not exactly how he set it up. So let's look at one more example of how, God, how the spirit of God and the word mixing create the miraculous let's jump over to acts chapter 6 this is probably one of my favorite portions of scripture and so let me just set it up for you here so we don't have to read the whole thing but basically the apostles were not only preaching the word and studying the word and teaching and praying for people but they were also taking care of the widows and things like that doing the basic daily needs and things of that nature and it was getting to be too much so they said let's set apart seven men who can do these things? who can basically wait tables dis- distribute the daily needs of food and things like that to the widows of the of the different areas around there, or whatever you want to call it, so they set them apart to do that and and that 's where this will pick up in Acts chapter six, verse five, and Stephen was one of those uh, let 's see I think I got this wrong oh no that 's correct and and the saying pleased them, or the saying of about setting apart different men. And they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So lock that in. Stephen was a man of faith, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. So jump down to verse 6, or I'm sorry, verse 8. And it says, and Stephen, full of faith and power. And what was he just full of? He was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Same thing here. Full of faith and power. You can switch those two around. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of God when it's on your life, if you're full of faith or full of the word of God, which we have faith in, the power is there. So he's full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. He was a waiter. He passed out food. And here he is performing great wonders and signs among the people. I think so often we try and decide that unless you're up here teaching or you're a traveling minister or you're an apostle or whatever, that's the only time and way that God's going to move greatly in your life. He was a waiter. He handed out food, and he he tended to the needs of widows. That's all his job was. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a teacher. But he was full of faith. He was in the word of God. And if you go on to see when he's getting ready to be martyred, he literally preaches the entire gospel from Abraham to Jesus right there on the spot. So you've got to have a little word in you to do that and a little bit of Holy Spirit in you to do that. And he, and he ends up being the first martyr. But it just I've always liked that because it's nobody special, if you want to call it that. Yeah. He was just a waiter of tables, and yet the power of God was moving his life to where miracles, wonders, and signs were taking place in his life. You can be back there in the nursery, wiping babies' butts, and the power of God can move. And miracles and signs and wonders can happen. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I desire that stuff. I want to see it again. I've seen some of it, but I kind of feel like I caught the tail end of it when it was just in a sense going out, if you want to call it that. It just, we don't see it as much. And it doesn't take place as often And some of you probably never seen anything miraculous. Some of you younger ones are maybe that have been born again more recently. And besides your own personal experiences with God, which are great and irreplaceable, but to see God move in a prophetic way and to speak over someone that they have no connection between the two. Or to see God move in a miraculous way and someone get healed. Or whatever it might be. You know, awesome and mighty things. Signs and wonders. I desire to see that. I desire to see people coming into the church to be born again, and to get saved and to get filled with the Spirit of God. We just don't see it. Why? What's wrong with us? What are we doing? I think you guys need to go get new shoes. (laughs) What are we missing? We're preaching the Word. We need the anointing. We need to have a hunger and a desire. We need to believe God for these things. We need to pray and seek God and speak His Word for these things. We need to get into the Word so we know what to pray and to speak and we know what is right and what is wrong and what God has promised us. We might not even know God has promised to do these signs and wonders. We might not even know God has promised to heal us of whatever this affliction is that is in our life. We might not know that that thing we've been putting up with is an attack from the enemy and we can get rid of it by standing on the Word of God. If we're not in the Word, we won't know these things and we can't speak them and we can't stand on them and then get the anointing of God, the power of God, to move in our lives. So how do we get these things back? How do we get God to move in our services? We need to return to our first love. Remember, therefore, as it says in Revelations, from where you have fallen or from where you once were, and repent and do the first works. You know, I didn't ask this earlier, but, you know, last week I asked you, and Bia was uh, bold enough to speak up, but, are you doing something different? Are you starting to do something different in your life to believe God, to pray, to get into his word? Anybody bold enough this week to maybe share a little step they've done, something small they've done and changed to get more word in their life, to spend more time with God and to believe God more? Anybody want to be bold enough? I know I'll catch you all off guard halfway through the service. and That's fine. But I hope you're taking it serious. Because just like the prodigal son, if you don't do something, if you don't get up and go back to your father, if you don't get up and go back to your first love, if you don't get up and do the first works, nothing's going to change. You'll just continue to labor in vain and do this thing called life in vain. It's, it has no point, there's no value. And I'm not saying your life is pointless. <laughs> don't go out here going, oh, geez, I ain't doing these things, so I guess my life don't count. It's just pointless. God don't care. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. If we do these things, these small steps, take these small steps, start spending more time with God, start preparing our hearts before we come to church, and and believe God for these things. Believe God for the anointing upon our services. Believe God for the anointing upon pastor when he preaches and teaches the word of God. Believe, God, that you're going to walk out of here different when you come to church on Sundays because you're going to hear the word of God and the anointing is going to be there and the power of God is going to move in your life and change you. It's that simple. It really is. Revival starts here. It's right here in our hearts. If, If our hearts don't get revived, we're not going to see these things. We have to want it. We have to go to the anointer and get it there. And if we aren't seeking him and desiring that and going after it, and let me just say, in the beginning, it might not seem like a whole lot of fun. It might seem like a little bit of work. But if you do these small steps, Jesus promised his joy. And if we start going back to our first love by doing the first works, that joy is right there. And we talked about that. But that joy that we so long for and miss is right there. And we stay in that, and that joy remains. And that joy, he says, will be full. I tell you what, I've been getting fuller and fuller of joy in the last several weeks as I've been studying this and getting into the Word and preaching and, or, or teaching this or whatever you want to call it. But just spending time with God, it's just filling me up with joy. Life's a little more fun again. And that's the way it should be. Amen? So we need to believe. As a church, we need to expect God when we come to church. We need to pray. You know what we do on Wednesday nights? We pray. And I know not all of you can make it because you've got work and stuff like that. But if you're at home, this is a huge, great step in the right direction. Come and join us on Wednesday nights and pray. Sometimes I think we forget that we're a Holy Ghost church. Why are we so quiet about the fact that we were proud to speak in other tongues, pray in other tongues? What an awesome, mighty gift from God to have the Anointed One within us, the Holy One of God within us, who knows all things, exactly what we need, and which direction to go, pray on our behalf, If Jesus was standing beside you all day long and you had a need coming up and you didn't know what to do, what would you do? Uh, Hey, hey Jesus, what should I do here, right? It's that simple. Well, why don't we do that? And when we pray in other tongues, we start laying that up. We start straightening our path. We know which direction to go. All these wonderful things can happen by doing that if we take time to do it. And that's what we do on Wednesday nights. And we pray for our nation. We pray for our local government. But we pray for the church, too. And so I encourage you. That's a good little step that you can take. Half hour a week. Half hour a week. Come and join us and we unite in prayer. God will move. God will move when we do that. We need to abide in the word, you know. We've been talking about this on and on and on and on and on, but it's in the word. We've got to be in the word. We need to preach the word. We need to convince with the word. We need to rebuke with the word and we need to use the word to exhort and then like we talked about this week we need to seek the anointing of God the Holy Spirit to be on our lives when we believe the word when we pray the word and we preach the word that's something God can anoint that is his his word he can anoint And when we speak his word and we believe his word and we're praying his word, that's something he can and will anoint. God will watch over his word to perform it. Not our will, not our desires, not our words, but his. And in that is everything that we need. Everything that we have need of is in his word. That's something that he can put his hands onto. That's something that the Holy Spirit will get involved with. So... As we come on Sunday mornings, let's seek the the anointing of God. Let's seek the Holy Spirit. Let's invite him to be a part of our services. Amen? Let's not be ashamed of the fact that we are a Holy Ghost church, that we do believe in tongues and interpretations of tongues. When was the last time that happened? Those are the gifts of the Spirit. It's nothing to be ashamed of or feel awkward about. That's the wonderful gifts of God. And we need to get into the Word and see them things and get a hold of them things and then seek the anointing of God, and God will come and join our services. And it's not that he isn't here. Don't misread that. It's not that we're doing anything wrong. But if we just come to church, and all we're believing for is that I believe this morning that we will do some songs of worship, and then I believe after that Pastor Brad will get up teach tithes and offerings message. And then after that, I believe pastor will get up and share a message for, well, you know, 20 minutes, half hour. Then after that, I believe I'll probably go home, maybe go out to eat first and yada, yada, yada. That's what we can believe. But if we come believing for the anointing of God, for the spirit of God, if we come believing that our lives are going to be changed by the preaching and the teaching and the word of God, things will happen. That's right. And then the anointing comes. You know what happens? We don't have to try to get people here. We don't have to do something different with this building to try and draw people in. If the power of God is here, the anointing of God is here, people will come. They will want that. They will desire that. It's something real. It's something powerful. It's something that everyone longs for on the inside. They will come to that. So that's why all we need is the anointing. That's why I like what Abe shared this morning. He doesn't care what I got to say. Because he wants what God would have to say today. And that's the heart's attitude that we have to have when we come. I want what God has for me today. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God move in other people's lives. And it doesn't have to happen just here. You take that with you. And you can be meandering on through Walmart, and God will speak to you. Hey, go over to that person and say this. Go over to that person and offer to pray for that the power of God can move right there wherever you're at because it's in you it's on you the Holy Spirit is in you and if you're seeking the word and seeking the anointing watch out amen Amen. so I just want to encourage you again if you haven't started to take those first steps take those first steps start doing something doesn't have to be huge but you have to do something you can't just say this was for me I needed this and walk out the door. Start taking those little steps to return and do those first works and return to your first love. Amen? Amen. Amen.